Murphy, and welcome back to Wayward Movie Surfers Reactions to the Karate Kid series, part three. I'm Sid, and joining me today is um, if there was anybody that I wanted to harass a 16-year-old boy uh, chalked up on cocaine in a mansion with, it would be with Marley Andrews. Marley, how are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm doing so good. Uh, it was nice to see you this week. It was a good time. Like, we're just doing good. Yeah, it was such a good time. Uh, as of recording this, it's March 12th, and uh, we hung out earlier this uh, this week. Um, I interviewed Aubrey Peterson, and <laughs> we hung out in the same function. And I'm going to ask you the same question. Well, you, d- you didn't have, like, the green drink, right? Like, because I told you not no, to get I it. No, I didn't. Yeah, you're like, don't, don't do it. And we I was love like, our okay, friends. <laughs> yeah, because me and Aubrey had it, and we were like, we love our friends, because our friends made it. But that, boy, that drink was awful. <laughs> I'm still thinking about it. I was like, you want to talk about the worst thing I've ever eaten? And I was like, oh, that thing is like just full of vodka and mint. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> like when you're doing the smiling drink, you're like, this is so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. Yeah. It was just funny because like the uh, the person that was taking pictures, she was like, oh, um, you look so cool. Can I like take a picture of you? Because like you're so like, aesthetic right now with like the drink. And like just a few minutes earlier, I was like shitting on the drink. It's like, oh, sure. You can take a picture of me like enjoying my drink. And I model with the, dr- with the drink in my hand. And it's like, oh, man, I hate this drink so much. And I just like, but it was free. Um, it was free for me. So I... I can't complain much, I guess. You don't look a, a gift horse in the mouth. Indeed, indeed. Mm-hmm. You just smile, you're like, smile and wave, smile and wave. <laughs> yeah. Well, Marley, are you excited? To, like, we are three episodes deep. We've been watching movies for the last three weeks. You know, but it just gives me life. It makes me so excited because this is just like, you know, like, get, go through work and then you look forward and you're like, oh, get to watch another Karate Kid, which I already love the Karate Kid universe and like COVID so like this is just perfect so it's just a nice little tidbit that I get to do every week with you so also thanks for choosing me to do this with by the way I don't think yeah. I've told you that I mean I feel like I haven't said that to you in a while but thanks again yeah absolutely like I don't think I would know anyone else who would be interested in doing something like this because like when I initially had like an I the idea I was doing the book of Boba Fett with uh, Jeff Bryan and I was like oh wow I love doing this with Jeff every single week talking about the book of Boba Fett and like theorizing like what could be the next thing and it's so cool like talking to somebody in that context I was like dang I want to do more of this because like that's what you know kind of funny they do something very similar each and every week they review two different series every week (laughs) um they because they you know you can tell like they make money out of that because like they um they do that for a living because like they pump those out like it's nothing and um like they also did karate kids so it was just like oh wow this is like i can do that like if i stole one person's idea i can steal someone else's idea i guess <laughs> i mean like they don't own the like they don't own movie reviewing ranking like going right. retrospective all that but you know i i did get the idea from them <laughs> well i like it and I, we're doing it and i love it so <laughs> exactly well marley let's get right into it with the karate kid part three uh but before we do that i want to remind the wayward artists out there that this is wayward movie servers it's a uh, that's what the show's called i almost forgot what the show's called damn you know i did a really good job with the the rigmarole like with opry so let's see if i can nail it this time so wayward movie servers is a show each and every saturday where we rank and review movies and tv shows and react to different trailers uh we'll get that kicked up as soon as like we announce everything like which probably already happened by the time this episode comes out we will have trailer reactions and uh video game stuff like we're just going to be reacting to a bunch of like entertainment stuff um 
And if you like that, please subscribe YouTube on the YouTube channel. Uh, just look us up, Where We Will Podcast, where we still haven't gotten 100 subscribers yet, but we're trying to figure out ways to get more subscribers. And I think I have a really cool idea. Uh, I'll tell you about it later, Marley. Remind me to ask you because <laughs> I'll probably forget. Um, but yeah, look us up on the Where We Will Podcast on YouTube or on podcast services everywhere. Anything with the cast at the end, we're there, including Facebook podcast. So if you want to argue with your QAnon grandma and her post about anti-vax and anti-masks and all that, even though we're not wearing masks anymore, I guess, like that's over. <laughs> um, yeah, you can listen to this podcast while you do it. Or you can help and support the show monetarily by going to uh, patreon.com slash podcast or at the dollar level. You can buy me something off the dollar menu at McDonald's or at the $5 level. You can help support the show by getting exclusive content and goodies like uh, newsletters, early access to episodes, hangouts, and possibly being a guest on the show. So please give us a dollar at the patreon.com slash podcast. Shout out to Jared Petty, Pockets Full of Soup for being my podcast dad. Much better, even though I feel like I'm still like surviving the St. Patrick's Day hangover. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, I think you did good. So yeah, I, yes. I don't know how it went, yeah. but good job. <laughs> yeah, if you listen to Aubrey's one, I had comments like, dang, I was like, it, it was like one of those things in your brain, like you're an actress. So um, like, you know how you've been struggling with a line for a long time. And then mm -hmm. one night, it, like it just hits and you're like, and your brain is like, oh my God, keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> Like, I nailed it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how I felt. Um, so the Karate Kid Part Three was released in 1989, written once again by Robert Mark Kamen and directed by John Adwilson. Uh, the show the, or the movie stars Pat Morita as uh, Mr. Miyagi and Ralph Macchio as Daniel LaRusso returning once again in their respective roles and with returning Martin Coven as John Kreese. Mm. <laughs> <John> <laughs> uh, and it also stars Thomas Ian Griffith as the notorious Terry Silver and Robin Lively as um, Jessica Jessica Andrews yeah I don't know why I didn't put Andrews at the end but yeah that's what her name is because the reason why I remember I was like Marley Andrews it's like oh my god she, she's, I know, I was like, she's my cousin for sure <laughs> yeah I have some um, disturbing facts about uh, Robin Lively but um yeah, you know what? We'll get into it right now. Let's talk about the budget. Uh, the budget of the movie, they had a budget of $12 million, which is exactly what they made off of like the first, like the second Karate Kid, like $12 million. And they made $38 million in the box office, even though um, this got panned by critics. A lot of people reacted to uh, part three very negatively compared to um, part two, which in retrospect, I feel like a lot of it makes sense. Um, because this uh, specific movie had a lot of like troubling development. One in particular, figuring out like what on earth this could be. Uh, pe people like they've talked about making this like some sort of like prequel uh, Karate Kid movie. I think like talking about Mr. Miyagi and you know going to see a younger Mr. Miyagi or or uh, a time traveling movie. <laughs> where uh mr miyagi and uh daniel go travel back in time to like ancient hong kong to like uh 16th century hong kong which you know teenage Mutant ninja turtles did that <laughs> true true i i knew about doing like a prequel but i didn't know about going in time i wonder if that was like they were trying to like go on the heels of like back to the future and they're like we'll just kind of milk this and make it work that's so interesting i didn't know that yeah, I mean, like that was kind of like the the flavor of the day. Go back in t travel movies, I guess, like yeah. because of Back to the Future. I mean, you're totally right. That could have been like the thing. Um, 
but yeah, that was really interesting. Uh, John Kreese, um, Martin Coven had a much larger role in the initial script, but because of like his commitment with another movie, uh, it was cut in half, which his inclusion is very weird in this. <laughs> I'll be honest, like it makes sense. Like it introduces us to Terry Silver, but like, did, did they have to add John Kreese? Cause like they only just showed like two scenes with him in. Anyway, um, the disturbing fact that I have about Robin Lively was that um, Ralph Macchio is like, I, I swear to God, I think he's like 28, 29, uh, almost 30 in this movie. And she was 16. So that's why like they were not in an actual relationship. <laughs> in the movie that's why it was like a, a uh, very platonic friendship to avoid you know pedophilia <laughs> the creepiness okay that makes a lot of sense now that you say that <laughs> yeah which is like at that point you're like why do you just cats an adult I'm an older adult? yeah yeah 16 <laughs> like you could have just like had couldn't you find like were there no 18 year old girls anywhere in the world you know like very weird um, what was I going to say about this as well? Uh, you know, I think that's it. Oh, yeah, Marley, um, I'm curious to know, what do you think of the Karate Kid Part 3? Uh, there are highs and there are lows um, of this movie. I think that there's some moments that I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then there's some moments that I'm like, that's dramatic. Like, we already know that it, this movie it has its moments of like, oh, yeah, we're going to kind of kill you. And then I'm going to kill you. And now I feel like it's like at the ding, 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 like it's at a high, there are, it's very dramatic. It's the best way I could describe it. Um, and while I love, I do love, like overall, I will always love the Karate Kid franchise, but um, there's some things I want to talk about for sure. There's some things I want to talk about in this movie. Yeah. I'm talking about drama, you know, like in part two, we talk about like how kind of dramatic it is. And like, yeah, everyone's talking about, yeah, we're going to kill you. Like for real, for real, we're gonna like kill you. I think it, this, this movie's like a little bit worse about that fact because like they're not, they don't say like, we're gonna kill you. We're gonna mentally scar you. Like we are going to mentally get into your head and fuck with you and groom you into something and like like literally mentally break you. I feel like that's worse than death. Cause it's like, think of all the emotional damage that like <laughs> uh, Danny LaRusso is going through. Terry Silver is a cartoon. I, I just don't get it. Like, it's like, because Karate Kid part one. Yeah, it is definitely like, there's some weird things about it, but overall it's a very well-structured movie. And even part two, to an extent, like, yeah, I think it's really structured. Well, there are some weird things in here, but like um, overall, it's a very enjoyable movie. Part three is like, cartoon like it, it, it was like an 80s cartoon and it's just like it is so ridiculous and um i don't know if i would ever recommend like in general i would never recommend anyone watch a part two or part three of like a series you know but like i feel like part one and part two you can like watch those alone whereas like part three i feel like you need to have like some kind of investment in this franchise and this universe to like really appreciate the craziness and especially like when you like later on with like Cobra Kai and everything like that and like how crazy that one gets like you realize like oh okay so it's playing homage to like how crazy Karate Kid like just uh gradually ups the ante and I yeah. I just think like Terry Silver is just I love Terry Silver I think he's ridiculous I think 
I have like Thomas Ian Griffith, man. He was he's a really good actor. Mm-hmm. And I read that this was his like film debut. Like this was his first movie, like that he he was in. So I I loved that it was like this is his big moment and how he did. But yes, I agree. He's an amazing actor, and um, but but the script is fun for him. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he probably was on cocaine. Like knowing that it was the eighties, like he probably actually was <laughs> deranged. <laughs> Mm-hmm, I think so, and I like it. I like how you use that. Like, it's kind of like a cartoon, almost like a character, character. Char- oh my goodness, I cannot pronounce today. A caricature of like these people that we've known to love and grow. Like, I feel like there's a lot more moments that could have been developed. I think that there was there were things that I just was confused about because it was like we we're rather at zero. It's like zero to one hundred, and then back and forth a lot in this movie. I felt. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't without giving too much away. Um, it. There are things I I really liked it at points, but I didn't love it how I just absolutely loved one and then just really adored two. So mm-hmm. three, yeah, yeah, three is three is there for me. And uh, I have another fact for you: um, Ralph Macchio and Thomas Ian, uh, Ian Griffith are one year apart, like in age. <laughs> they are no. practic- they are literally like the same age. They're like, I think like. Ralph Macchio is like one year older than him. <laughs> it's not real. What? No, like I'm not joking. Like, like Ralph Macchio, that guy, he looks, he looks like a baby. You know, it's it's funny. It yes. reminds me of um, you know, our friend Euphemy Rose and um, Jeremy Uran. Um, I directed them in a play that I wrote for Terrain, and uh, he played the dad. And she played like the son in like this play. And um, the, they were all talking about ages and like, okay, how old is it? Like Jeremy was like talking about ages and uh, how old is everybody? And we realized like, we're only just a couple years apart from each other. And Jeremy is playing Yufumi's Yuf- dad and they're like two years apart. So it was just like, hella funny. I don't know. <laughs> this is, well, it's crazy too. Cause like, looks like, I mean, we always say like, looks don't matter. Like, you know, like in the retrospective, like, you know, what we see but like it's just weird how like it can really like how people can really like be in a role for a long time or like how just like how you're saying like how Ralph Macchio and then like the age difference is just not like it's barely there but because of the way that someone looks and how like that can be perceived as like oh this is younger this is older so it's just it's interesting Mm -hmm. and Ralph Macchio definitely looks older (laughs) in this like which is kind of funny as Mm -hmm. well because like when you think about these movies like um, they really only take place within a year and a half, two years max, like apart from each other. And Ralph Macchio looks like he aged three years. <laughs> <laughs> True. Because isn't this, they they come right back from Okinawa and that's why, um, mm-hmm. if I remember, it's like pretty much right from two. It's just like kind of how like one was into two and then two is, goes right into three. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's, uh, yeah, so it's always weird. Even Pat Morita looks a little bit older too, which is like, yeah, which is something they probably were on that train, that plane for a long, long time. Uh, maybe that... <laughs> they went back back to the future and then came back. <laughs> yeah, they went to Hong Kong, like they originally, <laughs> which is like a crazy yeah. thing. Um, all right. Well, Marley, let's get right into it and talk about this movie uh, in detail. 
Um, we start yet again with another montage, just like the last movie, hitting on some of the things we'll be seeing later on in the movie, um, specifically parts where the part where Mr. Miyagi challenges John Kreese at the Cobra Kai do dojo. Uh, there's a lot of heavy focus on Kreese and his Cobra Kai ways. A person with no forgiveness in his heart, living worse faith than death. We hear Miyagi echo those words as a defeated John Kreese returns to the, the rundown Dobra Kai, uh, the rundown Cobra Kai dojo. Um, I wrote down here, um, it's so weird that this grown man has such a large obsession with karate that it would ruin his life. <laughs> you know, like, girl, could you not get a job? Like, I'm pretty yeah. sure you can get a job or, you know, something. Yeah. Oh no. It's like he, they really, they really want you to know that this is the only thing that he's invested in after he has served, um, in for his country. Like, it's like he went straight from the military to Cobra Kai and that's it. Like that is his life. That is his bread. So it's, I agree. It's kind of like a very intense version. I mean, we already knew he was an intense character, but like, it's just like, Oh, and that's his, that is his story. <laughs> yep, exactly. Like this man's in debt. He's like not paying his bills. And I'm just like, dude, you gotta like, like you gotta let it go, man. Cause like that, that's what Miyagi's talking about. Like, you know, he has no forgiveness in his heart and he is living, like he's awful. Like this is like kind of like Miyagi's thesis of like, yo, if you don't forgive, if you don't move on, uh, your life will be in shambles. And John Kreese's life is in shambles. Um, he said that line in part two, we really talked about, we talked about that line and how cool that line was. Um, so yeah, he's in debt because uh, no one wants to go to his dojo. So yeah, I, have, I guess other jobs are out of the picture. Like there are no other jobs. Uh, we cut to a mansion, a mansion, and John is trying to find the boss. Uh, John walks down a very lavish uh, lobby where we see a man in a ponytail doing some kickboxing in a Cobra Kai gi. This uh, ponytail man uh, will come to know as John Kreese. Uh, John Kreese and John, no, Terry, tell her, look. Why, why did I say John Kreese? You didn't stop me. Sorry. Ponytail man. Yeah, it's Terry Silver. Uh, uh, Terry's that the man in the ponytail's name is Terry Silver, and Terry Silver hugs John. Um, John talks about how he's given up on Cobra Kai. He gives he gives him the keys to the dojo and he's like, the dream's over, the dream's done. Uh, but Terry Silver insists that Karate Kid is not going anywhere and he's gonna make sure to get payback. Uh, for what uh, Mr. Miyagi and Daniel did to um, to John, uh, John goes off to Tahiti. Uh, he he is say, he says specifically, "I'm going to get them for what they did to you." Not that not the crazy. Uh, yeah, he literally says, "I'm going to get them for what they do to you," and that's like not the craziest thing that Terry Silver said in this movie, which we'll later learn like some of the Terry Silverisms, uh, the Quicksilver methods. We will call him because like that's what he calls. His method of karate later, but yeah, the, Terry Silver. Um, what is your reaction to Terry Silver? Like, we'll probably get into it later, but like, you see this man, you see this mansion that looks like, yeah, we talk about this being a cartoon, and it's just like this is this is the villain's lair. <laughs> this is like the yeah. villain's lair. Um, in like yeah, the nineteen eighties, like the Coke House, you know. Oh yeah, no, like the minute you you understand that he's friends with John Kreese, you're like, all right, what are we going into next? And also too, the beginning of this movie is so like, bam, 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 bam. And I mean, uh, two, two is kind of like that because we go, like we kind of go in and then we 
you know, the fight happens after the school and then we go right, uh, pretty much like it, it develops. But I felt like this one, especially too, because in part one, we get like this beautiful montage of them like driving across the US. You're like getting these little moments and you're these conversations and we're starting to, you know, um, learn about these characters. And so you, for me, it was like, and we're in and we're going. So it was, it was very fast. And also too, I had a lot of questions already, like, especially like when you're watching it, cause you're like, oh, how did they meet? What, what's their backstory? But then instantly like, we're going to get revenge on them. And you're like, and your name was one more time. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Oh yeah. You can tell it's, this is easily setting it up to be, this is the, this is the antagonist the yeah. part, like, you know, like, yeah. of the story. Well, there's also the specific line where Terry mentions that he owes John Priest like for saving him in Vietnam. So you you kind of oh, know yes, yes. Um, that there is just a little bit of history. But yeah, we, we were really introduced to this person. We just see this guy uh, going ham on uh, two goons. I'm gonna call him goons because yes. like <laughs> like his henchmen, like um, in a Cobra Kai gi. So you like there are some connections there, but I, I would have liked to have marinated. And like that's what I'm gonna mm -hmm. talk about like later on. I have a note in here. But like, um, I just feel like the first movie was a really good progression of story that like we were led on this journey with Daniel, like we were learning with Daniel and stuff like that. Um, part two and even part three, I think part three mostly is pretty much like, and then we go here and then this happened. And like, we're going to set all these little things up and like, remember later, because like, they're going to be relevant later. And it's just like, okay you mentioned it like it's like Chekhov's gun like you have to like you have to bring it back somehow like later on mm -hmm. we learned about the bonsai tree it's like oh yeah you know I brought a real bonsai tree uh from Okinawa like of course you're gonna bring that back that bonsai tree yeah, somehow yeah. you know it's just like yeah man like I I kind of wanted to be I want to be led on this journey and I feel like I'm just be I'm just given things you know yeah, that's a good way to, like, a great way to describe it. It's, like, almost like when your friend's, like, really excited and they're showing you around, like, this their store that they love and they're, like, did you see this? Check out this area, this hour. And then, like, to where, like, before when you get to go in by yourself, you're, like, oh, this is cool. Okay, and you're taking mm -hmm. your time to look at it. So that's, to that's totally a great way to describe it. Exactly. And speaking of part two, um, we learned that part three takes place right after part two uh, because Daniel and Miyagi come back home from Okinawa. Uh, we pan out to the South Sea apartments being under construction, and we have a dog. Oh, look at that. It's Char Char. Hey. Oh my God. <laughs> We're going to get Sebastian up here in just a moment. Oh, he's wiggly. Hi, baby. There he is. That's Char Char. Our special guest tonight. I yeah, I think like well, we're supposed to get like the bigger dog here soon. I usually take Sebastian, but oh, there he is. Oh, he wants to go see what's okay, going bye. on. Now, before Charlie rudely interrupted, um, what I was going to say is we pan <laughs> out to the South Sea apartments being under construction. The owner of the apartment sold the old place. Daniel's mom is at Uncle Louie's house to take care of him. And this is the first time we see Daniel's mom. I was very happy. Like she had a little cameo and I was like, oh, I'm glad there, there was probably backlash in like the eighties. I feel like if we felt it, oh yeah, there must've been. <laughs> yeah. I still like think it's weird that she's like, oh yeah, you can stay at, you can stay at Mr. Miyagi's house. Like again, <laughs> your uncle Louie's sick. Like you, you, maybe you don't want to go see your uncle Louie. You know? <laughs> you don't be with someone that has been in your life this entire time but no it's good I mean maybe she was coming at the perspective of like you guys did just go across an international trip together so he came mm -hmm. back safe mm -hmm. what not <laughs> yeah exactly um let's see 
Uh, while mom takes care of Uncle Louie, Daniel is once again living with Mr. Miyagi. We also learned that Kumiko has damped Daniel for dance college. I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> Good for her. She, she deserves the world, and Daniel does not deserve the world, to be honest, especially in this movie. We're going to talk about that here, uh, how I feel about Daniel Russo. Um, Mr. Miyagi is also without a job now, um, as he removes all the bonsai trees from the storage unit where we first met Mr. Miyagi. Uh, and, this, and I wrote down in this scene in particular, Daniel looks a lot older <laughs> and you can tell, I think it's like the face, like you can tell it in his face, like he's young, but like you're old, you look, you look more tired. And I feel like that's old people. Like you get to this point in your life, like me, I look at young, uh, older pictures of me. I'm like, damn, I look way energetic, way more energetic. <laughs> and now I like, I look at pictures of me now. I'm like, damn, I look so tired. What's going on Same. here? Same. I'm like, conceal it concealer <laughs> exactly uh daniel suggests to mr miyagi to open a bonsai store it says that it was like that it was only a dream to like open a bonsai store and that he doesn't want to fulfill it now uh he just has a lot on his mind he doesn't want to do it uh he says that if we had more money we could possibly build a bonsai tree but we spent it all in japan which uh kind of it kind of closes our theory that mr miyagi is like hella rich because like yeah he dropped like six hundred dollars on um like betting for daniel but all of a sudden like he has all these cars and all of a sudden yeah yeah we don't have yeah. any money we're poor <laughs> i want to i want to hear the backstory of mr miyagi like where's the side video of like mr miyagi being a g i just need it i want it i need it i want to see it <laughs> yeah it's there it's there like for sure if we know mr miyagi he is a g um <laughs> daniel suggests using his freaking college money to open up a store but Miss miyagi refuses the idea um Meanwhile, Daniel goes to a realtor and I wonder what he could be getting, you know? Um, again, with like Daniel just spending wads of his cash, like for college, like he must be like, what, what, like he got it, he got it winning, like against um, Chosen in like the ice thing. That's how they explained it. But I was just like, you want to like make a, you want to buy a building for a bonsai store? Like this is Miyagi's dream and stuff like that. And I'm just like, dude, the guy said he doesn't want to do it, you know, like uh, if my friends, like if, if my friend was like, Hey, Sid, we're going to let you come to Disneyland for free, all expense paid on us. And, and of course I would want to go. Like if someone were to do that, absolutely. Yes. But like, if I was in a mood, if I was in a mind sounds I, and I said, no, I would like those wishes to be respected, please. <laughs> um, and also too, like you would think that by saving money and maybe giving it some time, you'd be able to buy even a better place. If that's really what you wanted to do, you're like, okay, Mr. Mario, I'm gonna go, look, I'm gonna go scout around. I'm gonna go see what locations there, do your research, you know, like just kind of plan, mm -hmm. which we learned that Daniel is not the best at doing. Um, but I just, it's very like, okay, yep, no, we're gonna do it. And then you're just like, Daniel, have you not learned? Do you not learn anything? No, okay, all right. Yeah, okay. exactly. You, 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 you. Yeah, like this whole movie is like, hey, Daniel, did you not learn anything in the last two movies <laughs> yes. about anything at all? And it's just like, man, I feel like we're repeating the same lessons here. Like, I like I think that's what makes me so mad about Daniel in this in this movie, because like, I feel like he's relearning the same lessons, like the patience and like balance and, you know, foundation and stuff like that. And it's just like, dude. You, you learned this stuff. What's going on here? Like, <laughs> I think like, I think you just like, I think it's just an 80s thing, you know, like they just had to 
capitalize on what worked before instead of like actually making something good. I mean, I think that was like the problem with sequels back then. Like Star Wars, like Star Wars is the big example, the original trilogy. Um, it showed us new things, but I also continued the story of like our heroes and stuff like that. It didn't spend all this time rewriting things. I mean, n- n- nowadays, Star Wars does all that all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rewrites, like, this is canon. <laughs> yeah, this is canon or whatever. And it's just like, it does it, it, that, that, it does it all the time. But the original trilogy, um, oh, he's sad. He wants to go down, but he can't oh. go down. Uh, sorry, y'all. If you hear my dog crying in my room, it's it's not that like he's being tortured or anything. He just hears people downstairs and he wants to go downstairs, but it's bedtime now. We're recording this very late. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, we'll, we'll talk more about Daniel here in just a moment, but I want to go back to the mansion where I'm, I'm, I made the mistake that like Terry Silver was in a bathtub and uh, actually it was like a, a sauna. This this scene in particular kind of like really emphasized like this is uh the most 80s cocaine field i'm the bad guy like set up like establish establishment like type thing and um it was so ridiculous because like uh the actor ian michael griffith like has this smile on his face like this mm-hmm. wide eye like this like this wide grin like smile that when every time he talks to john over the phone um he suggests to john over the phone that he's going to hurt daniel so bad that he's going to know true pain and suffering and that he'll make miyagi suffer through daniel and it's just like hello that is um that is like an insane sentence like and you know we could joke about it all the time and stuff like that but it's just like it it, it, in in a way, like if we're looking at this like critically for a second, like it kind of throws you out of the realism of like Karate Kid, you know, like the first the first Karate Kid was like it was still down to earth. Granted, you know, John Kreese was kind of crazy, but like you feel like you knew a John Kreese, you know, you you knew a Johnny Lawrence. Like these people yes. um, feel real, whereas like Terry Silver like absolutely does not feel look like a bad like uh like he, he does look like a bad person uh they designed him that way but like he does not look like a real person like nobody acts like this like i i refuse to believe that somebody acts just like this like i think if this was real life like no one would give a shit they're like okay and especially too he's never met these people like never has had big i mean not to say that he has to but like he's just like oh you don't like him did like we're gonna make them pay like it's just very intense and just like it's very abrupt too like it's just like oh oh okay um and why why are we why are you doing that like what's the reasoning behind it and because we don't know him yet and this is like the first direct scene that we've seen with them it's like oh sure and then we go back to them arriving into town so it's like a very like cut and dry bam this is what I'm gonna do to them and we're gonna make them pay yeah it's 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 abrupt to me yeah, it's very abrupt. And especially when John Kreese said, make his knuckles bleed. <laughs> and then um, and then like Terry Silver getting like extremely excited. Like, oh, I like that, Johnny. Ha ha ha. I like that. I'm gonna use that. And I just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he literally tells like his uh, like his butlers and like his uh, secretary, like, my business is strictly revenge. And I'm just like, girl, nobody talks like that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's like they wanted to make him like the cool like 
crazy villain like that you're like wow whoa look at him going at these extremes instead of like giving us like that like meat that we liked especially in Karate Kid like the first Karate Kid and I think like even though like with take uh Johnny Lawrence even though like we were like there's times where you're like okay I got a little annoyed but you still saw the like this even it was small developments you still understood where he was coming from like okay I see like you're still in love with this girl. Daniel's trying to take your girl. Okay, got it. But like for him, it's just like, where the hell are you coming from? Like, can you take a yeah. chill pill for just yeah. two seconds? Yeah, they. I think they just wanted to make some, like they wanted to bring back Cobra Kai, you know, for the toys, for like all this stuff, like for the revenge plot. Because like, you know, Karate Kid Part 2 wasn't really about Cobra Kai. Um, like, I think they wanted to figure out how to do Cobra Kai like in like Karate Kid part three, but also not make it a hundred percent the same thing. They wanted new people. Um, so yeah, I mean like it was the eighties, like that's what they had to do marketing and all that stuff. But I think it's like to the detriment of the movie. Um, let me see here. Uh, he like in this scene too, in particular, he, he plays the character of the old witch I wrote like, you know, in Snow White where he comes off as like this, he's trying to make himself look ugly or like poor or approachable to like groom Daniel essentially into coming to his side. And it's just like, this is gross. <laughs> this is very gross. This is a, a, like an adult man. And granted, they're the same age in real life. <laughs> um, but like, this is an adult man in this movie trying to groom a 16, 17 year old into like, so he can like mentally abuse him. And it's just like, when you look at it from that perspective, it's like, oh, dang, this is uh, this is fucked up. Uh, he has even like the, he even has the cigar. Yeah. <laughs> they show the yeah, picture, yeah, yeah. they show like the thing with like the giant cigar to like emphasize like, this is the bad guy with like the smoke everywhere. And it's just like, this is so ridiculous right now. <laughs> and like it's good, like- in good and bad oh, ways. Like in good mm-hmm. and bad ways is what I was going to say. Um, it's almost like they looked at every 80s villain and they were like, we're going to take the key elements that we love. Okay, we're going to do a little bit of, I mean, I'm tr- of course, I'm blinking on movies now, but it's just like, okay, we're going to, we like the little evilness, like the devilness of this, but we like the the rich appeal of like, almost like adding like a Scarface kind of like tone to it as well. And like mm-hmm. having this big macho like character and we like, oh, we instantly know he's the bad guy. But yeah, it was just a big brass of like all these things compiled into one. And then you're like, here, here he is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, it is. Yeah, th- they really tried really hard with Terry Silver, and I think um, it kind of ruined the movie a little bit. You know, like I, it, it kind of ruined the real, the realism, uh, the groundedness of it when you have like this character like Terry Silver in the picture trying to be this over the top person, and what is like what is to be assumed is like. A depiction of real life you know like you know there's some elements of it that's fake obviously but like and uh, like this is supposed to exist on a grounded realm and it's just like yeah man this is obviously like an 80s cartoon villain <laughs> which is like you know spoilers for cobra kai like when they bring him back later it's just like what the fuck are you guys crazy like terry <laughs> silver like you're bringing him back <laughs> and for why (laughs) for why we'll get into that later but uh terry in the car flips through a karate magazine and looks at an article written about a mike barnes uh that part will come up later meanwhile in normal town (laughs) that's what i wrote because like we're in this 
like mansion and like this whole crazy plot of revenge and stuff like i was like but meanwhile we're, we're back in normalville uh miyagi asked about college to daniel and we learned that he never actually went but he got to de- a, a deed to a small shack a bonsai store like like to fulfill miyagi's dream even though miyagi was like no i, I don't want you to fulfill my dream i'm happy the way things are right now Miyagi refuses the gift his dream was for Daniel to go to college but you know Daniel being Daniel uh takes Mr. Miyagi to the shack which by the way I wrote in quotations here or like in brackets uh Miyagi's driving um (laughs) very interesting yes yes especially too since they just got back and before he was not driving yeah so what is he doing What's going on here? I mean, like, obviously he has to know how to drive. He has all these cars, but he, he made it like a thing in the first movie where it's like, he, he can't drive. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, well, you guys, uh, or you guys survived um, being almost killed in uh, Japan. So here we go. Here you are. <laughs> Let's exactly. drive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the shack that they go to is a dump. It was filmed next to a train, uh, like an Amtrak, which... <laughs> do they have to <laughs> like it, that, <laughs> like there are moments there are some scenes where that amtrak is so loud that it kind of like overpowers everything and i'm just like did you have to film it here like did they have like i don't know like did they have the rights to the shack like what was going on with the shack where we had to hear this loud ass train um and also like the adr like the voiceover stuff like was also really bad like the sound mixing in this was also just not good um the music wasn't really memorable either, except Terry Silver's like theme was really cool too. He even had like a bad guy, like yeah. the piano, like it's like an organ. And like, we'll get to that later because that's a reference in Cobra Kai. But like, I just wanted to bring it up now, like the, the piano and like t- Terry's theme song, like that is really cool. But like, there wasn't really like a, a power ballad, um, you know, uh, Glory of Love, uh, You're the Best Around, like stuff like that in this one which was like you know kind of sad uh i didn't look up who wrote the music but music wasn't hitting it which is like no yeah it's almost no. like we the the recipe that they've created so far is like all right we're, we need we know we want to bring back cobra kai we know we need a we need a um i was gonna say an evil person that's not what i meant uh, like a bad guy for the movie it's almost like they're like okay we're gonna put this 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 and then other things start to lack that we love about um, the series, especially just like Harry saying with the music, because the music was so epic in the first one, especially. And so it's like, in two, we got things here and there. And it was like, okay, that's just what, just enough for me to, you know, get my palette going. And I'm like, yep, that was good. But yeah, no, it starts to trickle down. And you're like, oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they they don't, I, I feel like they didn't really put a lot of care into this. Even like the Miyakiisms, like I noticed, like we're 30 minutes into this movie now. And a lot of the Miyagiisms aren't here yet, where I feel like in the second movie, we got Miyagiism, Miyagiism, and cool quote. And like, I, I'll put that on my on my body as a tattoo, or this is my Pinterest post. And like here, I'm just like, it, like a, a really good Miyagiism doesn't really come into to a, a, until towards mostly the end of the movie, um, which is kind of sad. But anyway, um, Mr. Miyagi sees the spirit in Daniel and suggests adding Daniel's name to the lease to be his partner. It seems Daniel uh, convinced Mr. Miyagi to make a shop. Miyagi's little trees. That's what they, that's what they call it, the trees. Okay. <laughs> um, we come back to the mansion and Terry Silver's in a fucking bathtub. 
like being a sleazy CEO is like essentially saying everything. Like, yes. <laughs> I was like, just like, look at this guy. Like, look at this tool. This is like, this is too much. Like, yeah, we get it. He's like a bad guy, but like, he, he's like, yeah, I'm going to like sue like the pants out of you and stuff like that. He's like literally being a sleazy CEO. Uh, and it was just like hilarious. I don't know. Um, we meet the kid from the magazine, Mike Barnes. Um, by the way, Mike Barnes joins, Terry. well, he doesn't join him in the bathtub, but like he is in this bathroom with Terry Silver. Mike Barnes is a child. He's naked. <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's like do we just overlook it do we just kind of say oh that was the 80s or yeah. do we still I mean yeah. I feel cringy <laughs> yeah like I guess you don't really think about it because Mike Barnes looks like an adult you know but then you, you when you like look back and like all valley under 18 tournament and you're like wait all valley under 18 where was Mike Barnes and Mike Barnes is getting the shit beat out of out of him from with like from Terry Silver like and like doing all this sleazy stuff this is weird this is a lot of like again like i'm not trying to like um what's the word i i want like i do shut off my brain like when it comes to this stuff but like i i just like pointing out the ridiculousness of it i'm i'm having a good time like i i still love karate kid part three i like all of the karate kid movies and i enjoy them back to back but like we're kind of like critiquing like things yes, and like just yes, talking out loud we're just like talking out loud just some of the ridiculous stuff and like later on we kind of like we'll we'll get to acknowledge all of that in cobra kai as well like this is insane um but i just like i just want people to like know that in case they're like oh man why are you like why are you like criticizing it like just shut off your brain it's a dumb movie and i'm like yeah it is a dumb movie it's fun to talk about it but like yeah yes mike yes. mike barnes is uh looking at a naked terry cruz or terry terry silver not terry cruz terry cruz is not in this movie <laughs> i mean could you imagine he just pops in <laughs> yeah that would be the first black person in the karate kid movie yeah. <laughs> there's no black people i mean there's asian so you know there's people of color but no black people um i think there was like yeah, the only one black person was like Rocky Part One that I can remember. Oh yeah, when he was checking in at the tournament, right? And he was mm-hmm. like, "Oh yeah, but mm-hmm. that yep, that's right." Exactly. Um, moving on, uh, Terry uh, Terry hires Mike some goons too, and he's just like, "Here are your goons. I got goons too, so you gotta have some goons <laughs> as well." What, what is your What is your opinion of Mike Barnes? What. My thing is like, what makes him besides like, I guess being paid, like, what makes him like cool to be like, oh yeah, for sure, I'll make this guy there. Like, I don't, I just kind of think it's he's ridiculous because he comes out of nowhere and he's like just cool with it and he's like, yeah, for sure, I'll kick his ass. And there's no like backstory to it, but I mean, I guess if you're desperate for money, if that maybe that's his his way in, but they don't really talk about that. But like, well, they talk about him owning. um, They talk about him owning fifty percent of. Cobra Kai once they rule the world oh, yes, the that's with right. Cobra Kai. Yeah, that, yes. that's a that's okay. Yeah. So like the money is the incentive here, but like also he's a child. <laughs> so it's just like, I don't know. It's so weird. Uh he wants like it, it's so weird because like uh Terry Silver wants Mike to fight Daniel in the tournament, in the All Valley tournament. All part of his scheme to ruin a 16 to 70 year old boy's life, essentially. <laughs> like, ah man. 
and you have to think like Mike Barnes, like despite how crazy he is, like at times, like he, he kind of reminds me of Dolph, like Dolph Warren or like, you know, from Rocky, like the Russian guy. Like oh, he, yeah. he kind of looks like him too. Um, maybe I'm just mixing my white people up. Like, don't call me racist, y'all. <laughs> but um, it's just, yeah, like it's so weird. Yeah, he comes out of nowhere. Um, he he's kind of like Johnny Lawrence, but a lot more twisted. And he gets goons, you know, like you, you, those aren't his friends. This is like, hey, you're like my backup. Like you're you're wow. like my hired gun, you know. It's so strange. It's so weird. Um, we cut later to Daniel and Miyagi going out to find fresh bonsai for their store out in this like beautiful field, this beautiful area. Um, and Daniel talks about, you know, bonsai trees uh, and karate and stuff like that. And Mr. Miyagi, the first ism here is like, as long as your roots are strong, you can do karate your own way. Cause they were talking about like, Hey, I always want to learn about your karate. And I always want to teach that. And it's like, once you kind of like, like master, like student surpasses master, like, you're going to have your own style. You're going to have your own way of doing things, which is like, that's true of everything that you do. And it's just like, okay, that's, that's a cool Miyagi-ism, like what, 40 minutes or so into the movie. <laughs> um, but it kind of builds up the foundation of like what we're going to be talking about later. Um, and we also learn about true bonsai, uh, which are very rare and from Okinawa. Miyagi brought one when he first uh, moved from Okinawa to the United States. The tree is worth thousands of dollars and it's in, um, I think it's called Devil's Throat. I didn't write down that part, but. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we were talking about like, yeah, uh, I like the scene, but like a lot of it. Yeah. And there was montage time. Daniel's doing some kata with Mr. Miyagi. And this is 30 minutes or so, 30 to 40 minutes of just like, we are building things up. And I'm like, yeah, that's what the story is supposed to do. But it's just like, uh, here's this thing that's going to be referenced later. Here's this thing. And here's that and that and that. And it's just like, there's no flow, you know, like they're setting up all this, all these characters that are brand new and we don't really know too much about yet and we're 30 minutes into this movie like in the movie's like two hours long i don't know what, what do you think of like where we are so far yeah i think it's like we're making pit stops like here and there like oh don't forget this don't forget this and now we're going to show you this don't forget about this and then instead of it being kind of like a linear and like progression throughout the day like the the story like i feel like like I keep referencing Karate Kid one, but it's just it's just the way that the story is told and how it flows just is just so like beautifully done. I mean, it has its like flaws, but like when you look at three, I just feel like we're it's almost like we're being jerked everywhere to like make sure we're covering all ground to make sure that you understand like once we hit this point, now you get why these things are all relevant instead of it having kind of like a smooth kind of flow to things to where like, oh okay, I understand why we're we're going after Daniel. Oh, okay, I get this. It's kind of more like forced. I don't know if that's the best word, but it just kind of feels like we're making sure that we're stopping at these points and that we understand who these characters are and why he bought the shop and why we're going here. And now we're now we have come to finally the point where we can start to relax just a little bit. But again, like you said, we're about 30 to 40 minutes into this movie. So it's like, oh, oh, okay. It's almost like that's something you would expect for that like minute 10, I would say, mm -hmm. or maybe even 12, mm -hmm. like right, right then where you're like, oh yes, this, these are the two characters that we know and love, which is so crazy too, because like we haven't seen a lot of them until this point. Like we've been establishing a lot of the background, which I mean, to an extent is good, but it's just, it's, it's wonky to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's definitely, I noticed myself kind of like drifting off a little bit too. It's just like, uh, 
can we get to the part where like there was some crazy stuff happens <laughs> like um like it, it was definitely a hard rewatch like like that beginning part but i don't know i think overall like there's some cool stuff it's just like i really like the flow of the first movie and um i wish they kept that through these other two movies i feel like it's so easy to do that too they weren't yeah. freaking greedy you know if they they listen to the, their own lessons, <laughs> like their own karate <laughs> lessons that they've been teaching, you know, like Mr. Miyagi's out here telling wisdoms and nobody's listening to him. Like the producer should have listened to him too. I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, um, let's see. Daniel Miyagi then proceed to keep working up at the bonsai store. Daniel confesses that he opened the letter from the All Valley Tournament and that there was a new rule to this year's tournament. Miyagi's not interested to hear it, but Daniel says it anyway. I hate that, Daniel. Don't do that. He was not interested. Anyway, uh, this year, <clears throat> Daniel is automatically heading to the final fight. He does not need to go to the tournament bracket. Like, so everyone else gets to compete, but the winner will just fight Daniel at the end, which is like, I understand why they did it. Because <laughs> like, they didn't want, they didn't want to do another karate tournament montage like they did in the first movie, which is like, but that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> that's karate kid. Like they have to go to the tournament and fight. Like that's that's the whole reason why we watch this movie. Like I get it. You want to build up Terry Silver and all these crazy shenanigans and the lesson, but it's like you couldn't like show the tournament. Yeah. It made me think of like like how like even with the first one, the realism, like, yes, things are dramatized and a little bit like here and there over the top. But the reason why we love it is because it's relatable. And so for this, it makes me think of like, let's say like high school volleyball, like that I did, like, there is no way if you won state that you just get to come back the next year for the final round. No, you gotta, it's like a new team. It's a new year. You gotta do your dues. Like, <laughs> we're just gonna, we're just gonna let them pass. It's fine. Yeah, he would. Yeah. I mean, like if they were going to do that, it could just be like boxing style, you know, where like, yeah, there's a reigning champion and you get to fight the champion. You don't have to like go through all these hoops and like tournament style and stuff like that like just fight the champion i guess like in fighting like they do that i don't know but like i don't know it just feels weird in this movie i like about karate kid and i'm, I'm just like i want to see karate yeah. i want to see them fight you know <laughs> and they do they well fight. i mean it they is do. like it's a tournament like and so we're that's exactly what <laughs> we're wanting to see like i want i want to see it unfold mm -hmm. exactly um let's see here uh Miyagi says that he won't let him do it, saying that if he uses karate for trophies, it means nothing. If karate uses if karate is used to like fight for honor and truth, like that is worth fighting for. But if it's for trophies, it's not. And it's just like, oh, I get it, Mr. Miyagi, but like we learned this lesson two times now. <laughs> we get it. Like, but Daniel doesn't seem to understand like <laughs> material like, possessions. Yeah. Hello. Daniel's just a material girl. You know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, let's see. Understand. I wish I did. Like he literally says, "Understand." I wish I did. Hello. Yeah. Just go watch the first two movies, Daniel. <laughs> okay, this is my little comment that I will say on this. I I hate it because like I know like a lot of it has to do with the writing. It's not necessarily like Daniel and Zell's fault, but it's just like you guys have this ultimate bonding moment. Literally, as Mr. Miyagi like lost his his father, and you're like, you know what? I have my life lessons to share with you. These are the things I've learned in my life. And then he just comes on back and goes back to his old ways. Which, mind you, this was like only what a week or two before this movie. Like, mm -hmm. they just came back from this this crazy like adventure they just had. But yet, here we are. 
Yeah. We learned yeah. absolutely nothing. Yeah, like going off of two, like we'll talk about it later too, I'm sure. But like Daniel is such an asshole to Miyagi, and it's kind of upsetting. Like it really makes me not want to root for Daniel. Like, I have every reason not to root for Daniel for the way he's treating Miyagi. I was like, fuck you. Miyagi has so much patience for Daniel. Like, I would have just been like, see you later, dude. Like, fuck off. I've done everything for you. And this is how you're going to yeah. treat me? That's not cool. Um, Miyagi does send out Daniel to get a pot for the bonsai from across the street from the potter. Uh, we we meet Ali number three. Um, <laughs> who, she's not really Ali. Like when I wrote that, because I was in my brain, I was like, oh, this is cool that they're a friendship. And then I look at the fact, I'm like, she's 16. Hold up. <laughs> Hold up now. Um, by the way, this is just an off, like off topic thing, but like uh, pottery is hard, but also like sexy as hell. Like, you know, ghost, you know, like. Oh, yeah. You know, like, That's instantly what I thought of. Yeah. And then like there's some TikTokers of like some boys, like they're wearing, like, you know, they're wearing shirts. Uh, well, what? I was gonna call this. They they wear these like they wear these things with no sleeves on. I'm like shirts, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like I'm so tired. I (laughs) it's getting really late. I have to upload the rewind later tonight too. Um, but yeah, like when when you see them with their like their forearms and stuff, I'm like grabbing that. It's like damn. All right, sorry. Like I just had to be I had to be thirsty here for just a moment. I'm just thinking because I did pottery too, uh, when I was in school, and like it is harder than it looks. So um. Yeah, I think pottery is cool. I think it's just the way that like you have to really like find like it's not a skill that you can just go in and be like, hey, I'm done. Like it's a real like you have to really train to like understand it. And so once the smoothness comes with it and you see somebody mastering it, it's like mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And it's all about like putting pressure and stuff on things and like guiding it. Like it's very complicated. I think a lot of people underestimate it. Um her name is Jessica Andrews. Uh they're already off to a flirty beginning that's the note that I wrote I'm sorry I, I didn't realize like <laughs> I didn't realize how old she was um we he goes back to Miyagi to tell him that he found a date um Miyagi get, like and you know like Miyagi knew there was a cute girl over there he wanted Daniel to go you know to like get his thing because like you know Mr. Miyagi is a G um Miyagi gives Daniel back the letter um and he was like, I didn't sign it for you, Daniel, essentially. And he, he essentially tells him the answer lives inside of you. And like Miyagi's answer lives inside of you. I'm like, yes, like two movies ago. Um, let's see. <laughs> it's time now. That was and, the oh, what's that? Oh, I said that was the ultimate lesson like that we learned and concluded in Friday Kid. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's nighttime now. Daniel's getting ready for his date. Terry Silver sneaks into the house. Um, he's doing a bit of recon on Miyagi so he can find ways to harass these people who literally did nothing wrong. Um, and it's just like, this is crazy, man. I, I don't know. I feel like I say that all the time, but it's just like, you're, you're taking this a little a step too far. Like you're, you're invading their home which we'll get into later on because like this isn't the first time that this happened but um mm-hmm. he, like he sees Miyagi's valor badge and the little trees poster and um Daniel and Miyagi were about to be in the same room with Terry but he gets away where did Terry Silver go uh Daniel takes and Miyagi talks like Daniel talks to Miyagi and Daniel takes his advice and burns the letter wow he learned the lesson that's great like Yay. we talked about him not <laughs> learning lessons but like it's going to be relevant later don't worry folks um However, Terry is in the fire pit and t- takes it out with the fire. Um, 
essentially Terry Seller being there is so Mike Barnes and his goons can like get information about uh, Daniel and mm-hmm. what he's doing and where he lives and where he's at. And it's just like, first of all, how did you know where Mr. Miyagi lived? <laughs> That's like my big question. What did you do? Who did you talk to? <laughs> And yeah, like, I guess like that's for us to establish that like, yeah, um, Mike Barnes is getting his information from somebody, you know, that's somebody's Terry Seller. Um, do you have anything to say about any of the, these sequences? Oh, just big stalker alert. He's just really going in and it's, mm-hmm. he's like obsessed, so obsessed. So it almost makes it a little bit um, hard to relate to because you're like, oh, one point you're like okay yes I, I understand like the concept of where this is going but you're like oh he he's really oh he's yep he's in their house and mm-hmm. we know that he's in the house and he's like looking at every single little detail yeah it's a, it, it it's creepy <laughs> exactly it is it is so weird um like I can't really say much about it because it's just like why, why are you doing this man like just go home mm-hmm. be be a sleazy ceo I don't know cause like ruined the ozone layer or something. I don't know. Like what you were like talking about, like nuclear stuff. Anyway, um, Jessica says that she wants to begin again with her ex uh, back in Ohio. Uh, but Dan- and but Daniel's okay with that. They're just friends now. Uh, Daniel brings Jessica over to the shop to introduce her to Mr. Miyagi. Daniel gives Jessica a tour of the shop. Daniel shows her some Miyagi style karate with her like pottery, which I was like, oh, that's cool. That's like foreshadowing in the future when he. he- you know, is older and does karate with kids <laughs> again. Anyway, um, Mike and his goons come in and threaten him to do the tournament. Uh, Mike is also on steroids or something. That's what I wrote too. So I was just like, he's on steroids or Coke or like he's getting that Terry Silver, like uh, cocaine, like craziness because it's like, damn, the actor who plays Mike Barnes, I don't know. Who, like, I forgot to write his name down, but he's really getting into it. Oh yeah, no, he's like hyped. Like this is the moment he's been waiting for his whole life is what it feels like. Like he's going in and is just ready to be like, hey, what's up? Yep. Uh, we got to more kata when we see it, like in Daniel in the Mr. Miyagi's backyard and we see good guy Terry Silver, which is like, <laughs> felt, this was so fucking weird because it's just like, we know who Terry Silver is and it's just like, oh, uh, like he's in here with Mr. Miyagi and Daniel like doing kata and like he plays the whole facade saying like oh I came here because like you know John Kreese was like part of my school and uh our sensei like wanted to wish like sincere apologies blah 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 for like John Kreese's behavior it's not fair the way he treated you guys blah 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 and then he mentions uh Terry says that John is dead said that it was cardiac arrest but he he made like this whole thing about dying of a broken heart and i just think like that is so hilarious and, especially because the last encounter that we saw of him was literally him getting his butt kicked by mr miyagi and just how pretty much he was set on breaking him and so you're like are we talking about the same guy mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's even this john this john okay cool, cool. yeah but in miyagi fashion he like gives his condolences him and daniel so it was like that's so that's dope, but like the momentary Silva turns around, he has that cartoony like, like grin, like that big ass <laughs> smile, and it's just like, girl, you are, you're, you're just loving this part <laughs> so much. Yeah, oh yeah. And it's like, 
you know, like despite all the like the goofy writing in here, like I just love Terry Silver. Like I just love how ridiculous and like weird he is, you know, and just how he is threatening because <laughs> he's literally insane. And it's just like, this is like, imagine this man on the street. I'm just like, I don't want to talk to this man. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, no, he committed to this character. And I think that's why I like, like uh, secretly like love him. Cause you just like, oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. I see what you're doing there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm excited to like talk more about Terry Silver here in just a moment, but uh, we cut now to Jessica and Daniel meet up for a mac and cheese like friend day. Uh, Daniel invites Jessica to the downstairs, a music venue. Uh, I mentioned that because that's relevant later. Um, <clears throat> Mike and his goons come back. Uh, and by the way, they're in the, uh, the bonsai shop. Mike and his goons come back and are back to harass Daniel to compete. They, and when Daniel says no, they start to trash the store. Uh, and then Mike roundhouse kiss jessica like right in her i think it's like yeah in her gut and i'm just like why'd you hit her like why'd you hit her girl like why'd you hit her mike like you did not have to hit her but like that was so intense how hard she like he hit her um and then daniel and mike go into the fight but in true miyagi fashion he comes in to save the day and he kicks everybody's ass without ever being touched um <clears throat> before we get into like the car part, because I want to talk about that part here in just a second. Um, how are we feeling? How are we feeling about this break-in? This poor bystander, like I get it. Cause you're like, okay, we're going to make them pay. We're going to make their knuckles bleed. But like, she was never in the equation. And just by association, she's annihilated. Like she's yeah. just, yeah. you're just like, oh my gosh, Jessica, are you okay? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. why? yeah. It's so crazy. Like, it, like, yeah, she literally didn't do anything <clears throat> except, like, be there for Daniel. And she got in the way, you know? And these crazy people are going to, like, attack you. Like, she, I guess, like, she didn't know what she signed up for. If I knew, if I knew, hold on one second. If I knew what I was being signed up for here, I would have, like, been, like, the Daniel's friend in the beginning of the movie. I forget his name. Um, <laughs> like, see you later, dude. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. When he's like, ooh, you're bad. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I would say. Like, uh, crazy people attack you all the time? No, thank you. Um, here's the, like, the weird Miyagi choice that I want to ask the writers, like, what that was all about. <clears throat> Him singing in the car. And when Daniel was, like, genuinely upset and he was, like, trying to figure out like, Hey, like, what's the plan? Like, what are we going to do here? And you get it. Like Daniel's like has his hot head in this, but like Miyagi kind of disregarded Daniel's feelings. I feel like in this moment. And I don't know. I thought it was a weird scene. I think it tries to like set up the, without giving too many spoilers. I think it really tries to like set up them going their separate ways and try to see like, Oh, okay, the support is not fully there. So this makes him want to choose this this choice that he does later in the movie more is what mm-hmm. um, my perspective of it was. Do I like it? No, but I think I, it was like their attempt to do that, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I feel like they could have done it better where it didn't like kind of ruin Miyagi's character a little bit. Cause at that moment I was just like, man, I would be annoyed too. Like that's like, that's a lot of money put into like the bonsai store. Even though Mr. Miyagi is like, oh, don't worry about it. But like, like his answers to it all, it was just like, Daniel, just be patient, you know, <laughs> like we're, we'll get this all figured out and sorted. It'll be fine. Um, 
but I digress. I think like they could have done it better. Um, they go back home and they realize that all that Mike and his goons stole, stole all the trees. And um, like, cause like Miyagi was like, oh yeah, the, the trees are all safe at home. They just destroyed all the pots and stuff like that. We can get that replaced. Uh, Daniel's upset that Miyagi isn't really doing anything about the bonsai trees and the store being destroyed. Um, kind of like it's building up that fuel of like, uh, Daniel going to the dark side essentially and it, but but at the same time it's just like man this man you owe this man your life and this is how you're going to treat him like you're not going to like listen to him it's just like it makes me hate Daniel <laughs> uh, and it and if Miyagi like essentially if Miyagi is not going to do anything Daniel's going to do something himself and in that morning, Daniel and Jessica are going to Devil's Throat to get the bonsai tree that he brought from the Okinawa to raise money. That's like all the way down a cliff. <laughs> and it's like, why would you do that? Like, again, another choice here where I just feel like Daniel, um, like the stuff that he says, it's important to me. It will mean a lot to Mr. Miyagi. I feel like you're projecting things about Mr. Miyagi and like what you think he needs, like, like essentially I feel, it feels like something that like you owe him or something. And where Mr. Miyagi has made it very clear that like material possessions are, no, I don't care about them, Daniel. Stop doing all this stuff, yeah, you know? Like he, yeah, he, that, like the, the sentiment of that bonsai tree means more than the money that it would have made out of, like for this bonsai store. It's like Daniel fixates a lot. Like the minute he decides something, it's like, no, I, we have to do this. We have to do this. We have to do this. And instead of like, just taking a second to like, listen, like, hey, we probably don't need that. And him going, oh, that makes sense. He's one that like literally will just think and do. Like they don't, they don't go together. Like it's just like he acts on it and then he faces the repercussions afterwards. And this just happens to be like, I don't know what made him think getting this tree, which also too, to me, like I was like, but he planted it there. He put it there for a reason. So why would digging it up make sense? Like, why would that be the choice? Mm-hmm. To, I, I understand that it's worth a lot, but like, why wouldn't it be, okay, maybe we should file a claim and, you know, cause someone broke in and broke all our pots. Like there's so many different options I feel like they could have talked about, or even like, you know what, I'm going to do a fundraiser or you're, let's compete in the All Valley and we'll put money on it. I don't know. There's just, there's so many other options that they could have done. Yeah, exactly. And um, when you talk about the consequences, we're going to learn what those consequences are here in just a moment because uh, they find the tree, but it's literally, yeah, it's literally all the way down to the cliff and they have to propel down to get it. Daniel slips and Jessica rescues him. Like they have to like propel and walk down essentially this very steep cliff. Um, at this point, I wrote here at this point, I would have just given up. I'm like, you know, screw the tree. Let's go. Let's go back up. We're about to fall for this tree. Uh, that's crazy. Um, as Daniel gets the tree, Jessica slips and falls. Daniel catches her, but the bonsai tree. Fa- okay, like at this point, I'm, I'm skipping ahead here just a little bit, but like they get to the tree, they're getting ready to plant it up, but then Jessica slips and falls. But Daniel catches her. The bonsai tree falls into the water and it's getting damaged. So they go all the way down the cliff to go grab the tree. Uh, yeah, again, at that point, I've just been like, no, like this is it. Like you ruined Mr. Miyagi's life. Like this, we, we, it's gone now. Um, they get, they, they go all the way down and as they get the tree, they realize the ropes are gone. Mike and his goons are back again and they force him again to sign the application. B 
because if they didn't sign the application, they will literally kill them. Um, the tide will literally kill them in the water. Um, in his anger, Daniel signs a letter because he has no other choice. Like, what else is he supposed to do? <laughs> he has to get back up. Uh, they pull Daniel and Jessica up, but they pull them up halfway through. They want the application first, but they want, uh, as soon as Daniel gets gives them the application, they want more. They want the tree. <laughs> And Daniel's like, please, please be careful with it. Please be careful with it. Don't do anything bad to it. And Mike breaks, splits the tree in half. Um, literally, this would not have happened if Daniel wasn't an ass. <laughs> That's what I read. Yeah, he has, like, this guy has not had one or two. He has had 17 red flags. There were so many signs to tell him, like, let's make a different choice. Let's make a different choice. Let's make a different choice. And so I think what makes me, as a viewer, like, frustrated is because in the first one, you're like, okay, we're learning, Daniel, even though, like, you're coming off, like, a hothead, you're still learning from these lessons, and so, like, watching this scene for me was just, like, no, like, stop, no, and especially, like, when you're seeing the tree just being, you're just, like, yeah. oh, this is so painful, because it's just, like, where, where do you go from that, like, um, like, with this character, like, how, how are you going to present that to Mr. Miyagi, like, oh, um, by the way, like, I just, it's just, in that moment you're watching it just unfold and it's just like it's like cringy like you're just like no I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to he could have also told Mike that like hey that tree's worth twenty thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> true true it's like go sell that then he would have been like I'm gonna go sell this tree actually <laughs> instead of splitting it in <laughs> half so yeah twenty thousand dollars down the down the drain um like a good acting moment for um Ralph Macchio because like when that tree yeah. broke like you you actually see him like like ah, his heart broke too, and uh, I was like, ah, oh, good acting there. Yeah, you you you're, you're really good at this acting in this movie. Um, yeah. So Daniel brings the tree back to Miyagi, the doctorate. But we also learned that Miyagi sold the truck to get more trees. And but Dan now Daniel is just mad with himself. Like he literally needed patience. He literally like when Miyagi told him everything was gonna be fine, everything was gonna be okay. Like, but you know, Daniel didn't listen, but like in the end, like Mr. Miyagi had a plan all, all along, which like, you know, more of the story, Miyagi always has a plan. And so like, he has all these trees and even Mr. Miyagi was, he, he was very upset about the tree actually, but mm -hmm. he forgave Daniel, which is just like, you know, I, I love that about Mr. Miyagi. I think like, he's like a priest, you know, like you, a priest can't really be mad at you. Uh, they always have to like forgive you. Um, that's the excuse I made when I brought like Charlie, the little dog that I had just now. Um, I brought him to class one day. Uh, he was still a puppy. And I was just like, oh, he's small enough. I can put him in like a bag um, and like a dog bag. And I put him in the dog bag, but we realized like this bag was actually way too big for him. <laughs> but I still took him anyway. I took him to school. I was in the middle of like a Catholic class at Gonzaga and um, Charlie wanted to come out. <laughs> and he was crying in the middle of class and like he poked his head out and I I literally had to run out of class because I was just like Charlie is being too much right now and I realized like in the middle um like we were taking a lift back home because I was just like I have to skip class like I can't I have to leave class because <laughs> the dog is literally embarrassing me right now <laughs> I probably traumatized the dog for life too and so like I put him back in his bag and I'm in the lift and I realized like I'm smelling something like what's that smell and I hope the driver doesn't smell it. I realized like the dog peed in the bag like it didn't leak or anything but like yeah, Charlie was having a moment as a puppy <laughs> like a couple yeah. years ago um but anyway um 
what I was trying to get at with that point was I went back to the priest who was teaching the class and I was like, Hey, I'm genuinely sorry. And I didn't really feel bad. I didn't really feel bad that he was going to be mad at me. Cause like, based on his religion, he has to forgive me because I genuinely meant that I was sorry. And he did. Oh, and he did. oh I see what you said. <laughs> yeah. Gang, gang, you know, uh, like, just like, just like, like a priest. <laughs> yeah you can't be mad at me because you know like don't, doesn't christ like doesn't christ believe in forgiveness you know and i confess mm-hmm. my sin you know yeah yeah anyway. Mr. Yagi's almost anyway. like it's okay <laughs> yeah, absolutely um let's see uh daniel tells miyagi that he signed the application for the tournament and he understands his reasonings why because daniel went over like hey uh, essentially, these guys were going to kill me if I didn't sign the paperwork. So um, <laughs> I had to sign it. It's like, all right, fair enough. Uh, I don't mind. And then Daniel asked Miyagi to train him, and Miyagi says no. And you know, Daniel gets very upset when he doesn't do that because it's not like Daniel didn't have every opportunity to know that like Miyagi did not want to do this. Um, so he has every right to say no. But I digress. Uh, Jessica helps Daniel train. Uh, when they run into Terry Silver, he offers Daniel some help and Daniel accepts it, like in the form of the book. Like, um, let's see, Daniel's training outside when Mike uh, comes back into Miyagi's place. Uh, literally, he's at Miyagi's house and they're fighting. Um, it's so weird. He was mad about the cops that were called on him uh, earlier for like stealing the bonsai trees. Uh, he attacks Daniel when Dar- Terry shows up and beats Mike. what a weird event what a weird event (laughs) guys um terry and daniel spar a little bit and terry teaches him some moves like sweeping the leg and stuff like that you know cobra kai staples uh he offers daniel an opportunity to train uh, train with with him at the newly formed cobra kai dojo uh he doesn't accept the offer just yet um we later cut back to daniel uh he goes to mr miyagi and jessica's there with all the pots they're like hey danny look at all the pots that we made and daniel's like i don't give a shit hey mr miyagi uh can you teach me how to sweep and Mr. Miyagi was like, oh, of course I know how to sweep. <laughs> and uh, he comes back with a, uh, a broom. And he's just like, here you go. This is how you sweep. And uh, Daniel gets mad because, you know, he can't take a joke. He doesn't know Miyagi's jokes. Um, so Daniel, okay, let me see here. Um, goes back low and Daniel gets mad. We cut later to Terry Silver training inside the Cobra Kai dojo. Daniel comes in and it looks like he's accepted to- uh, Terry's offer. It, it makes me feel icky that Daniel's doing this behind Miyagi's back. Um, I wrote, these hoes ain't loyal. <laughs> Type yeah. of thing there. Uh, a man... Okay, so before we get into the uh, quick uh, Quicksilver method of karate, uh, how are we feeling so far about okay. the fact that he's essentially... Like the grooming's working. Okay, so two two things. We obviously just had this really big moment of him making a rash decision, learning that if his patience was there, it would have all worked out. Is this not what we just did? <laughs> like, yeah. is this not another yeah. moment where Mr. Miyagi's like, no, I'm not going to train you? So to me, again, I could be like, okay, maybe he just maybe we, we talk about it more maybe maybe i just will will we'll, we'll hold off on it i mean again i can't remember like how far the tournament is and if it's like days or weeks technically but yeah. it just seems like it's another 
again like another setup it's like we're still doing the same like crafted equation of the rise and the fall and the rise and the fall and so then it's just like it's frustrating too because like I get it we're trying to show that there's this divide happening between them and that's why Daniel like that's why it's trying to justify it to the the viewer that yes he's going to go off and you know take of course he's going to take the help of someone who wants to train him and that just saved him quote unquote saved him mm-hmm. from a beat down mm-hmm. and so it's it's sickening but it's this is one of the things that I like I hate to say that it's done well but you see the the, the mastermind behind what Terry is doing and so you're seeing how just well like that he's eating from the palm of his hand he's like oh yeah we're gonna mess with them and he's just like oh yeah c- come learn with me and you're like oh okay yeah and so it's like Daniel is so hot-headed and so like just ready just so anxious to make sure that he's going into for this tournament fully prepared that he's like the blinders are just stuck on and you're just like, especially to side comment, poor Jessica, like we've only hung out a couple of times and she just one traumatizing experience, but two traumatizing experience. Like she was like dying, yeah. going down yeah. the freaking hill. But yet here she is still trying to be there for Daniel. Like it's just, it's so crazy. But yes, I, I feel it's like watching it unfold. Like this is one of the things that I like about, I hate to say like about the movie because it's a weird thing to like, but mm-hmm. I think that it's that it's done well with his character. Like you're really seeing the dedication that he has and how he's pulling it off. Yeah, exactly. Like um, uh, Ian Michael Griffith is like really good in this movie. I I can't emphasize it enough. Like he he's really really into it, and it it just mm-hmm. like it all of it just feels really sleazy. But like you can't help but notice the fact that like yeah daniel is essentially trying to learn the same old lessons that he's learning again and it's just like uh, this does not sound like a good idea and you know it um also um we're gonna go back like we're gonna talk about the dojo stuff too but i also wanted to bring up this really does feel like a psa for drugs you know not terry silver like mr cocaine guy but like <clears throat> like Daniel's hiding he's doing something bad and he won't tell Mr. Miyagi what he's doing and he has to like hide it from Mr. Miyagi who's like his dad mm-hmm. and it's just like a lot of it you know like there was a hardcore like you know drug anti-drug campaign like you know the war on drugs and everything like that going on yeah. and it just like this feels like not drugs but like doing bad stuff like behind your parents back and not telling them and at the like it's trying to like enforce a lesson that we didn't really need to learn you know like I feel like it's like a PTA or like a um like a parents or something like they wanted to like add that in there I'm just looking at my dog he's here keen but anyway um yeah what do you think about that I I honestly hadn't looked at it through that lens but the the way you're describing it totally makes sense like especially too it's like it's almost now that you say that it makes me kind of think of like these are the decisions like if Daniel had chose the wrong things in the first movie this is how it's going to be and now you're going to see how those how the outcome is that's that's so interesting I haven't thought about it that way yeah the 80s sure loved their anti-drug campaigns because everybody was everyone was doing cocaine like it was like um it was the hot ticket the hot item yeah, like it was cigarettes, you know, like, oh, yeah, it was totally safe to do cocaine. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I digress. 
um, we go into the quicksilver method of karate. Uh, rule number one: a man can't stand. A man can't stand. He can't fight. Uh, Daniel uh, Terry wants Daniel to sweep wooden legs. Uh, when Daniel questions Terry, he gets very stern with him. Um, we kind of see like like the facade is breaking there for Terry, like him being like very strict. Uh, he makes Daniel sweep the legs harder and harder every time to the point where he hurts himself. Um, extreme situations require extreme measures. Terry proceeds to break all the boards afterwards. Uh, Daniel comes back home late and limping. Miyagi catches a glimpse of that. Uh, Daniel's hurt bad, but does not want to show Mr. Miyagi. He tries to hide it, but Miyagi knows what's up and he gives him a foot remedy. Um, like he hopes that Daniel will tell him what really happened, but Daniel makes some lame excuse. It's hella sad. It's very sad. Um, especially when you see the scene where Miyagi's like praying at his altar and he says like, he hopes Daniel's confusion is over soon. Miyagi's heart empty without you. And it's just like, dude, you made Mr. Miyagi sad. That's like hard. That's very hard to do. Like he's already gone to such a vulnerable place too. Like we again we did just lose Mr. Miyagi Sr. and like mm-hmm. he has just mm-hmm. come back from his hometown and like has just all of that has unfolded and yet here we are just breaking Mr. Miyagi's heart now like he's already lost enough and has been there thinking through for Daniel no mm-hmm. we're just gonna disappoint him it says like you're just like don't do that it's Mr. Miyagi <laughs> yeah like honestly like the true villain of this movie is Daniel for like making Mr. Miyagi sad and like yeah there's another moment there's another moment we'll talk about here in just a moment but like uh, that was just like truly heartbreaking actually with Mr. Miyagi I'm sure you know what it is but like we'll get there in just a second Uh, we go back uh, we're back at the karate dojo the Cobra Kai dojo and we learn more of the quicksilver method a man can't breathe he can't fight (laughs) they really tried to do it like Cobra Kai stuff but like I just feel like (laughs) Uh, it was so shoehorned, but I love it. I love it. It's like an always sunny, like the dentist method. Like, I can't remember what it is, but like, uh, are you familiar with always sunny in Philadelphia? Oh, I've only watched a couple episodes. Don't hate me. <laughs> okay. That's fine. You probably don't get the reference then. I know he's, he's like, he's like, he's bedtime. Sebastian, come here. Come here, boy. Come here, dog. Uh, he just he also wants to lay on the bed, but there's crap on it. Anyway, oh. um, <laughs> um, he teaches Daniel some punching, but suggests to punch the wooden dummy. Um, let me see. Hold on one second. Sorry, I'm gonna see what's up with this dog. Yeah, you're good. Here, Sebastian. Go fill, what's going on? I'm gonna fill my water real quick. Hey, Jared, yeah. can you bring me up my water bottle? Yeah. Come on, Sebastian, go ahead. Okay. Oh, you're good. Thank you. Come on, Sebastian. Come here. come here, dog. Come on. Ugh, he wants to go downstairs. He's being very annoying. Sebastian. He's like, Dad. What's that? He's like, Dad. <laughs> yeah. He just needs, it's bedtime. He, <laughs> like, uh, I'm also like doing things and I'm not at the bed with him. So um, let's start over. 
So uh, Terry Silver teaches Daniel some punching, but suggests to punch, uh, but instead of punching the punching bag, he suggests to punch the wooden dummy. Uh, Terry's frustrated that Daniel won't listen to him and gives him an, a high and mighty speech about how he's wasting his time. Um, <laughs> but it was all part of the plan to get Daniel to hit the wooden dummy. Um, Cause like he, he goes in the back and he's just like, he looks like he's, oh, wah, wah, I am so mad with you, Daniel like the grooming, like the gaslighting, like the abuse and stuff like that. And he goes into like the little corner and he does like his, he laughs, he laughs. He laughs like a fucking psychopath, which he is. And it's just like, hello, he's 16. Why are you doing this? Like, this is so uncomfortable right now. Um, Let's see. Yeah. yeah. With the trademark Terry grin. Uh, Here's the scene I was talking about. Daniel goes into Miyagi's room and steals the healing meds. See, talking about the drug stuff, like stealing from your parents and stuff like that right there. But Miyagi ain't no fool. Like you can't sneak past Miyagi and he knows what's up. He comes to Daniel, he stands by his room and asks Daniel, why is he doing what he's doing? Like he knows Daniel's in trouble, but he won't tell Mr. Miyagi. And Daniel is mad saying that if he didn't have, uh, if he doesn't have the solution to his problem to stop giving him a hard time about what's going on. Whew, that actually upsets Miyagi and it makes him sad, dude. Like it's so like an actual, like he's gasped, like, wow. Like, I know Daniel gets mad at me and like frustrated, but like he was actually, he actually hurt his feelings. And it's just like, yeah, yeah like it, it makes me hard to sympathize for Daniel. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like there's just no way about it. Especially too, because like, mind you, like as the, mo- the first, beginning of the movie sets up, like Mr. Miyagi is taking him in. Like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like, it's not like he can just go back home and like, if he's frustrated with him, like he is being like the responsible adult and like taking care of him when he didn't have to. And so it's just so sad. Cause it's just like, this guy has done everything for him like literally everything and so you're just seeing him just be like i don't care no it's fine you know yeah. if you can't help me whatever yeah. so you're just like you're breaking his heart exactly exactly it's so sad um dana does kata in uh cobra kai but terry disparages that because like kata is a lame form of karate um and he teaches him rule number three of um the quicksilver method a man can't see he can't fight uh terry is basically teaching him how to te- like how to basically is basically teaching him how to uh punch um th- th- this note makes no sense like basically punch in the face like um in order for him to like get, d- get disqualified um during like the like the tournament and everything like to play dirty uh daniel is punching the board with all his might and has a picture of uh, mike barnes on it uh to the point where it makes his knuckles bleed and terry pumps the shit into daniel saying that like pretend like that's his blood on um on your fist and i'm just like um you made this child bleed and you're making him to like bleed more uh based on john crease's request you know which is like um awful um terry pumps the shit into daniel and then daniel proceeds to break all the boards on the dummy and like get that gets him excited like yay they learn they they've totally gone hating christians and like anakin skywalker darth vader yeah uh, <laughs> Uh, we cut later to Daniel and Jessica going to dance when Terry pays a kid to steal Jessica from him, stealing from a dance. And uh, when that happens, Terry shows up to Daniel and eggs him on. Like, hey, you're going to let him catch your girl like that? Which is like, the, I thought the, they were established like as like friends, <laughs> but whatever. And um, Daniel gets upset and beats the, and Terry eggs him on to beat the shit out of the kid. And he does. And Daniel is realizing like, whoa, wait, 
all of a sudden, maybe maybe being aggressive is bad. <laughs> maybe <laughs> Terry Silver might be crazy. Like, <laughs> what did you think? Um, it only t- yeah, it only took him actually beating someone and like, oh, like it had to take the actual physical act for him to get it, not him bleeding everywhere, injuring himself. Nope, it was it was the actual the physical contact exactly and uh daniel and terry leave jessica at the club like they run away and daniel realizes what he's done and needs to go back and find jessica he begs jessica for forgiveness and laments that he has ruined everything with mr miyagi jessica insists that mr miyagi still loves daniel regardless of what he did he just has to talk to him about it he has to tell him what to do and and that's the last time we ever see jessica which um, we had a very abrupt ending for her, obviously because she's 16, but at the same time, it's like, <laughs> damn, she doesn't even go to the tournament. And like, she doesn't come to the yeah. end. Like, she, like uh, the Jessica, it's hard to compare it to like Ali and Kumiko, but like Jessica is such a weird character. I don't understand it. I don't understand like what her purpose was. She wasn't like, she wasn't even like the character's like object, you know, like the girl in this situation. Like she was just like, we had to put somebody in here that isn't just Daniel to like center him. That isn't also just Mr. Miyagi who he's supposed to have uh, conflict in him. Uh, (laughs) um, How do you feel about Jessica? Um, I, it's just like almost just kind of like a, like an added, flavor that's not fully fulfilled for me like it's it's um it's almost like they wanted to do what they did with the first two and obviously Kinko like we got to see some things and like how we talked about how we wanted just a little bit more depth here and like there was just not a lot of like backstory to her that we wanted but we still got we got enough so it's almost like they tried to do it again but ran out of the, ran out of the time obviously like now that I know her age it definitely was a factor into it so it's almost like well we can't make her the love interest so she's done her part by and so it's just a very much like so did well did she get back with her boyfriend did she not get back with her boyfriend like there's so many questions that I wanted to know because we started to get like invested in her and then obviously like the letdown of him just leaving her at the at the, at the not the club but like yeah I guess the club but the the place that they go to dance like it's just kind of I don't know it just kind of seems like but I'm not upset like I'm sad like that we didn't get more but I'm not like I like she wasn't a fully fulfilled character to me to where I'm like upset that she's gone it's just kind of more like oh well there was a lot of potential there but okay yeah she's almost forgettable you know like even when you think about Cobra Kai and like the people you want coming coming back like you know I want Hillary Swank to come make an appearance here like I would be very excited mm-hmm. for that but like Jessica Andrews like if they actually showed her and Daniel's like, Jessica. And they're like, and I probably like, if I haven't watched part three or I haven't seen it in a long time, I would have been like, wait, who? It's like, oh, yeah, it's yeah. the girl. It's the girl, the girl that um, he was friends with, like that had no purpose and no, no motives, no objective. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, she's getting back with her boyfriend, but it's just like, I feel like with Ali and Kimiko, we kind of like get a little bit fleshed out. I think Ali more so than Kimiko, but like even Kimiko compared to like uh, Jessica, like we get, they're a lot more fleshed out and they're a lot more memorable mm-hmm. compared to like uh, Jessica. And I don't know, maybe that changes uh, when when eventually she gets an appearance in this show, like in the show eventually. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't like her. 
too much. I just think like she's just there. Um, she's a cool pottery person though. <laughs> that's what I was saying. She's the girl that makes Daniel pots for his store. And that's kind of what she is and decides to go on a random adventure to go get a tree. And that was. Mm-hmm. And almost died. It. And almost died. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, we cut to Daniel trying to fix things and Daniel loses it, blames himself for everything in front of Mr. Miyagi. Miyagi shows him something outside. It's the bonsai tree that was damaged. It's been repaired. Miyagi says that Daniel has strong roots, just like the bonsai tree, and that everything will be better. And it's just like, ah, oh, man, like a third, the second Miyagiism here. And it's just like, that's so cool. Like the idea that despite like all the bad stuff going on in your life right now, like uh, you, like your roots, your foundation, like those are strong. And those are like the people in your life or the experiences that you had and that you learned from, like, those are the things that like keep your foundation growing and like you, it helps you like overcome anything in life. And it sounds like Daniel finally understood that. And uh, he says that he needs to head out and cut it off with Terry Silver. Um, he goes back to the karate, uh, Cobra Kai dojo. Daniel's trying to find Terry to end it all with him. Terry comes out and Daniel tells him that he has decided not to defend the title, that his style of karate is not him. Terry says that he owes him. He tells him that he has to defend the title. And now, like the cartoon villain that he is, reveals his entire plan. Um, and that's when we see Mike Barnes in the Cobra Kai dojo. And he's, Daniel's like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? And then like Daniel starts to walk out. And then we see that back from the dead, John Kreese with his face. Like that. Like that. he did that face. And I'm like, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that face? I think he was trying to be scary, but like. Good job. <laughs> Daniel's, sitting, <laughs> Daniel's sitting there like, what the fuck is going on? Um, it was all a ruse. Mike go, goes in and kicks Daniel's ass. Um, and then two grown men are mocking a child when you realize it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. this is like these are two kids fighting each other and these two adults doing nothing about it. And then Miyagi comes in and wrecks house on everyone. Crease and uh, Silver versus Miyagi. Uh, Mr. Miyagi takes out John Kreese and then Mr. Miyagi, like Terry Silver does that and uh, I didn't mention this but I will mention it later lots of racism in this movie (laughs) Mm -hmm. specifically from Mike Barnes but like I think this is also supposed to like you know the whole the hand motions and the like he's trying to mock the way he does karate too and he's like this feels racist, man. <laughs> I don't know. Uh-huh. No, I think it's, and also too, like, I don't know, obviously I didn't live in the 80s. So I don't know, like, if this was like, oh, like, in a sense, like, people are like, that's fine. It's not bad. But like, it's definitely like, you're just like, oh, we didn't, we didn't need that. We didn't have to have it in there. And we didn't, there was nothing necessarily, like, I get like, mock, like, mocking a character, but like, not, not in that way, I guess is there's, there's, I guess, a way that they could have done it and just been more of like the mannerisms of I don't know I don't know how I'm trying to explain myself but it's just more of like we didn't need to use stereotypes and you know racism to get the point across that we were trying to be like oh you, like trying to intimidate Mr. Miyagi by like doing like his mood like it just was eh, yeah. didn't need it didn't like it didn't exactly want it. yeah well it's the 80s they that that was okay back then so it's all fine (laughs) um let's see 
So it's official now. Miyagi will train Danielle, which is exciting because now you like Miyagi's kind of put together like the true intentions of all this stuff. So now it's just like, yeah, we kind of have to fight him now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't crazy when they were stalking you um, for three days. Like the Mike Barnes and his goons were like stalking you for three days and destroyed my bonsais, uh, destroyed my shop, and uh, like violated my house essentially by coming in it. Like it, it took like me having to beat up two older men <laughs> uh, till I realized like yeah maybe we should compete and get these guys off your back. Um, yeah. And then training montage Cobra Kai versus Miyagi Do part two. Um, you know. It's fun. It's the 80s. We got to do a montage. Uh, there's also a cute scene of Daniel and Miyagi returning the bonsai tree, which is all fixed up. Um, we have another cool Miyagiism here. This true, the, this tree chooses how it grows, so you must choose how you grow. I was just like, ah, that's good. It's like Miyagi. Like I feel like Miyagi's like in this one. He's very specifically telling Daniel, like, hey, I'm giving you all this stuff. Like I've given you all these life lessons and now you have to apply it and make it your own thing. It mm-hmm. can't just be my thing. Like you can't just be like, oh yeah, I'm studying Miyagi, Miyagi style karate. And it's like, no, it's like, it's Daniel. This is all you, I'm giving you the, the tools to like build yourself here. And we're kind of, we'll kind of learn those lessons again in Cobra Kai later on, which is kind of funny like spoiler alerts, but um, <clears throat> like, I feel like that's really interesting. I think, and that's the indication of a good teacher. Like, hey, I'm giving you all the tools to like <clears throat> be better and be a better human being. And you got to do with those with what you do with it with what you will. Whereas, like Cobra Kai is all about my way or the the highway, pretty much. It's like forcing those. It's forcing those to be in the way of your life and not really having it be mm-hmm. able to grow and like cultivate from there, and then. Also, too, what's cool about it, too, is, like, it's even kind of acknowledging, like, you might step this way or you might get off the path that, you know, that you want to be on, but it's okay because it's it's who you are and what you apply and what you learn from it is what's going to help you to grow and be a better person. Exactly. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I like that, Mr. Miyagi, a lot. Uh, I really need some water, but we're almost done, so we're going to get there. <laughs> um <laughs> We're back at the All Valley Tournament, and of course, Mike um, Mike Hagen gets back and uh, like that's his name, right? Like I already forgot his last name. Mike Hagen gets there mm-hmm. at the end to fight Daniel because like it would have been a waste of time. And then, yeah, quite honestly, it was a waste of time. We didn't even really get a montage of like uh, Mike like fighting people. He like fought one person. And, like oh yeah, of course he's like gonna go to the end. <laughs> like yeah, we yeah. we made all this build up, and you're gonna like like just assume that Mike wasn't going to make that would be that would be a twist actually if he didn't make it but I digress um Terry Silva mentions having a Cobra Kai dojo across America with the help of John Kreese with that growth if they win of course you know like they they have this setup and it's in your mind you're just thinking like oh man this is like a bad CEO imagine a Cobra Kai in every city um and like thinking of it like going to war like warfare type of thing like that's how they make it sound out and it's just like that to me the viewer it's like are they gonna like overtake the government like what's going on (laughs) yeah are they gonna take over karate everywhere and this is the only thing that can be done yeah exactly um and like daniel is like the soul of america like he's trying to like save everybody but like 
I don't know. It's it's so weird and so cool and so fun. Like just how obsessed everybody is with karate. Um, let's see. He's going to teach them honesty. Oh, he said he's going to teach them honesty, compassion, and fair play. <laughs> I just laughed at that. That's so funny. Uh, Terry tells Mike to make him suffer, essentially getting disqualified on purpose and making Daniel score. And then like, or like essentially like Mike, uh, Mike would score like and then lose a point score and then lose a point just to beat the shit out of daniel until like the timer goes down and then finish him off which is like wow this guy's an asshole Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, like imagine doing that um daniel can't get a leg up on him and tells mr miyagi that he can't do it he's too strong but miyagi forces him to go through it and to not surrender to fear you stay focused your best karate still inside. Now time to let it out. And then Mike yells at Daniel, like, get up, get up. I'm going to kill you, blah, blah, blah. And calls Mr. Miyagi a racial slur, which I won't say <laughs> what it was. It's like, uh, don't, uh, that's a weird word to say. But like, what a cool line that like, that, that was probably one of the coolest lines that Miyagi had is like, now it's time to unleash your karate. And it's just like, uh-huh. like, it's like a superpower and stuff. That's so cool. Um, Daniel does the kata pose, uh, the one that Terry mocked him with at the, the Cobra Kai Dojo and hits him with the finisher and wins. And in true Karate Kid fashion, the movie ends abruptly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're done. We've done three Karate Kid movies. All right. Um, what did you think of like the ending? Like everything like oh, towards the ending? You know, um, we, we knew it was coming. We knew that there had to be a showdown. So it it made sense to me. Like it was like we ultimately have to go to the tournament. Like we're at the point to where we've seen the training or the dark side training, should I say? Um, we've seen that go down. We've seen the confrontation. Um, Daniel's come back to Mr. Miyagi. So it it made sense to me. Um, but in true Karate Kid fashion, they never let us just revel in the success and the win, or you know when when the ending finally happens. So. Again, I mean, that will always be my complaint and just wanting a little bit more just to see, like, what happens after. Like, do they go off back into the, the, the bonsai tree shop and get to, you know, sun the trees? Do we get, like, there's just, it's a, an abrupt cutoff. And also, too, like, it's just, it's um, it's almost like a replay of the first one, which I hate to say, but, like, it is, it kind of has everything again. Oh, but we do get the great um, life for Mr. Miyagi and, like, there is some there's a different type of flavor to it, but it's definitely like, all right, we're going back in. He's going to win. He wins the end. Yeah. And I think like the problem with this ending is like once Miyagi agreed to train Daniel, we only really get one scene where like they have that communication, like of like, you know, putting the bonsai tree back. But like, I feel like Mm -hmm. we just like, all right, guys, we got to like, we got to like, we got to fast forward. We we got to wrap it up. We have to get to the tournament. We're not even there yet. So like, we got to do a montage. We got to, um we'll put in one life lesson and then we'll get to like the tournament and even the tournament was like cut in half because like daniel essentially didn't have to compete at all so it was just like okay um i guess that's over (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. like i have the movie's over um the fight yeah the fight was brutal it was so brutal um i think even comparative comparing it to like john like johnny's uh, lawrence's like fight like this was like Cause it was fucked up. Cause like, essentially he was told to like beat the shit out of Daniel and make him not move, which is like, when you think about like why this all happened, it all happened because John Kreese was like sad and like depressed and like Cobra Kai, like 
like he won fair and square like that was the deal like what is up like why do you feel embarrassed like get a job <laughs> and also too like i don't i mean i would assume this was a factor like probably if you didn't beat the crap out of your student and try to kill him in the parking lot you probably still have students you yeah. probably would still yeah. have your dojo going but it's your choices again that let us hear so like john it's gonna be okay pick it like get it together like just reevaluate what you're what you're doing and what choices you're making exactly well marley what's your uh, favorite part of karate kid part three and uh, what was your least favorite part Ooh, ooh, this is, a good, this is a good question i think my favorite part about it was really i don't know if it was like an exact scene but i think just watching terry silver and just the the true craftsmanship behind that character mm-hmm. and watching it unfold mm-hmm. i think that was really what brought me into watching that movie intensely because as we've talked about, we've struggled with how we're trying to root for Daniel, but it's like, it just seems kind of wishy-washy and I don't like the taste in my mouth when it comes to like supporting him in his choices. It's just like, come on, man. So I think really watching Terry Silver unfold and also too, I think, okay, I lied. It's really just watching him, you know, be like, oh yes, here are my, you know, like he passed away. And then especially that moment when you see him flip around and it's like that evil smile that comes in. I think that probably was one of my favorite scenes just because you get to see, oh, there this is this is where the movie's gonna go from here. Like this is where it's where it's coming from. So that would I would say that was my favorite. Um, when it comes to my least uh, my least favorite scene, oof. I think it. Hmm. Let me ask you about your 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 favorite, and then I'll come back to my least favorite. You know, I I'll also say Terry Silver was like my favorite part of this like movie. Like he is a weird character. Like structurally, like when we mm-hmm. talk about this movie, like critic from a critical eye very weird character compared to like the first two movies where the characters definitely felt grounded uh, in a lot of ways like maybe like you can argue the japan one was like also over the top you know like they did talk about killing but like they kind of had the excuse that like this was like part of like the tradition of like this different country like this different city so you're like okay that's fine like sure they want to they want to fight to the death but like that's the rules here that's totally fine um when you get a character like Terry Silver and it's in Reseda, California, which Reseda, by the way, not it's a nothing city. Like, <laughs> it's a boring mm-hmm. ass city. Um, you, you get this character who's essentially like an 80s cartoon. It, it throws you out of the realism of like the first movie and even the second movie too. But I love it. <laughs> I love Terry Silver. I love, like, um, Ian Michael Griffith was like super like let's just take this character and go like because he is ridiculous like let's take it and just turn it up to like a hundred like uh you know like you know acting teachers you know like we were part we're part of that world it's like hey you have the character at an eight bring it back to a five it's like no let's bring this character he's at an eight bring him back bring him to an 11 let's see where how crazy we can make this character and it's like this is so cool because like he's in on it and i really enjoy that um, the thing I didn't like here, I, I'll be honest, I, I did not like Daniel. Um, I think I've given him enough excuses, <laughs> like compared to the first and second movie. And I feel like this third movie is just like, dude, come on. And I, like a lot of it's the writing, like, uh, let's be honest, but like yeah. um, a lot of it's the writing's fault, but like, I, I got to like judge it based on what we, what we're given here. And it just yeah. feels like Daniel hasn't learned anything. And it's just like, it's so annoying to have to look at these lessons again and just be like 
yeah, Mr. Miyagi does not care about material possessions. He does not want you to do these lavish things like tournaments and uh, defending your honor. Like, well, defending the honor is like, that's what Miyagi is all about too. But like defending like a plastic, like trophies, like he was never, ever about that. We've known that from the first movie and the second movie. And uh, we have to like tell him again in the third movie. And it's just like, dude, get it into your head. Like this shit does not matter. Like that's not what Mr. Miyagi is all about. He's all about defense. Karate is for defense. Karate is for defending honor and, you know, be a good person. <laughs> Essentially, like that's, those were some of the Miyagi lessons. And I feel like Daniel just like disregarded all that, like the patience, uh, waiting for things. Like the hot-headedness like is so annoying sometimes, like yes. as specifically in part three. Uh, like the first one, you can kind of forget it. And yeah, he was an asshole to Ali. The second part, um, he's a, you know, I, I it's not too much. Like it's, it's not there because I feel like that was a Miyagi movie. <laughs> like uh, I'll be honest, like I feel like they had to shoehorn in uh, Daniel somehow because of toys and re- merchandise. Part three, I was just like, I want to be in the room work, like because it seemed like there was a lot of trouble development with this movie uh, between like the, it being a prequel and. Um, John um, John Kreese having a bigger part in the movie or, um, you know, him, the time traveling aspect of it all. Like, it seemed like, yeah, this movie didn't really know what it wanted to be. And they just said, hey, the kids love the 80s cartoons, you know, like, uh, like what's, I, I'm thinking like, uh, go, go gadget, you know, like the claw, like, yeah. claw, like claw, specifically that villain, like, I'll get you next time, gadget. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> this is like this is like an 80s cartoon and it's just like it, it's definitely marketing to children and the toys and it's just like that's fine to do star wars does it all the time you know but like you could have made something cool out of it i don't know yeah the other thing that i totally forgot to bring up was the other thing i had read was that originally they wanted um another concept that they were thinking about was possibly having a female be like more of the pro- like protagonist mm-hmm. and the lead and so then that way, when the studio is like, no, you can't do that. You got to do something else. Like, you got to do something that works. And we're not going to support that. Um, then he had to cut, like, the, he was kind of forced to write what was already done, if I remember right. So to me, it was, it was kind of sad because, like, there was so much potential in the development and the depth of the story, like, coming back and seeking revenge. Like, there's so much more. And obviously, there's things that, that was good about it and things that we love and things that, but it just was there's too many things that I didn't like this time versus what I did like and I think that's where it when it wastes me like yes I do like overall this year this um you know the Karate Kid universe is I love it dearly and I think that's exactly why we're here today but um I just feel like it's there's with looking at it as a movie by just by itself it's just the development wasn't fully there for me did I did I enjoy it yes but I could have I could have really really I wanted to dive deeper into characters and also to like seeing how we talked about how Daniel, like he hasn't learned anything, like why not look at it at a lens? And again, like we're just viewing it, like there's so many what ifs that we could see and try to figure out like, well, you know, what if we put Daniel in this scenario or what if we saw him with this or if he was actually struggling with this? Um, But I just, I just wanted more. I wanted more and I I agree with you. Um, I just, Daniel was not my, my favorite this time and especially too because it's just like he's recklessly spending money and it's just like 
Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's kids too. You know, I, I recklessly spend money all the time. <laughs> you, know, you don't have bills to pay when, um, and you like to buy things and you are born with a rich palate, even though you're very poor. Um, like that's, you got to deal with that sometimes. And you deal with that by true, buying true. things, I guess. Well, um, <laughs> let's rank that. Like, that's a good thought about the female lead because like, that's going to go into, uh, our next reviewing thing, uh-huh. the next Karate Kid, uh, Karate Kid Part Four. But before we uh, end the show, we got to rank the movies. So I think it's very clear, <laughs> which is very fascinating. Like it, we've got Karate Kid One, Karate Kid Two. I, yeah, it, it has to be like one, two, three, huh? Mm-hmm. I think so. I think I no, I know so. I know so. I think it, it definitely is. Yeah, one, two, I, yeah. three which is like very fascinating like these movies get progressively worse <laughs> <laughs> so true yeah but like I, we love them all um i'm excited for the next karate kid because i've never seen it yes and i want to see what your take is because this will be pretty much just your first reaction your first review to it yeah it is so the notes will be definitely very different I'm like uh so-and-so guy like <laughs> i won't probably yeah, yeah. Know that name, so i hope i do um i'm i'm just hoping it's on netflix um I, I wouldn't mind buying it but we'll see um yeah i think they have to have it all because you know cobra kai is on netflix and i think the other karate kids are too so they probably have a licensing thing but i digress uh, Wayward Artists, this has been uh, the Wayward Movie Servers. Uh, catch us every Saturday on the YouTube channel. Just look us up, the Wayward World Podcast, because uh, we don't have a link yet. Uh, pay, podcast services everywhere. Anything with the cast again, we're there, including Facebook Podcast. And support on Patreon.com, patreon.com slash Wayward World Podcast. Uh, Marley, send us off with the last word. Oh, you know what? Just remember, whenever you need some advice, just Google Mr. Miyagi quotes, and he will get you going for the week. Absolutely. I feel that. Absolutely. Um, Wayward Artists, uh, thank you for joining us for, I think this has been a two-hour conversation. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) No, we're we're having a good time. I just, uh, I need to get some water really bad because I'm uh, I'm dry here. Wayward Artists, without further ado, it's been real. 